The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. <laughs> are, you, are you awake for this? I am amazingly enough awake for this. And we had Bloody Friday. Uh, teams were finally eliminated. Came, uh, cl- came close on that day, I'll tell you, because they... It was the first time since 1986 that they had six elimination games in one day. And yeah. they eliminated five out of the six. The only team to survive that day was the uh, Toronto, Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, the Maple Leafs. And uh, I I don't know what happened in that game because I, I think the – well, in that game it comes down to – the Jackets took their foot off the gas. They but started coasting with five minutes left in the game. I, Yeah, that, I think that's what it was, is they felt comfortable with their lead and suddenly took their foot off. But we did get to enjoy a little bit of John Tortorella <clears throat> as, he, as he decided that it was a good time to give brief answers. <laughs> I... See, I will defend John Tortorella's press conferences till the end of time. Uh, listening to the guys on the NHL, Anson Carter specifically, rip him for not giving longer answers or and saying bring someone else out. His job is to coach the team, is to prepare the team, to keep the team focused, and to make adjustments during the game. Mm-hmm. His job is not to write uh, write uh, the headlines and the stories for the reporters. If you don't like the way that he's going to answer questions, specifically questions where, that you know he's not going to answer, they had that ask happen, a different actually. question. They had ask that a different happen. question. One of the reporters actually said, "I know you're not going to answer this, or you're not, or you're going to tell us." That it's uh, you're not concerned about it or whatever. The, uh, he gave John the answer that John was going to give before he asked the question because uh, he wanted to know about uh, why are what you happened. asking the question? Then? And John was like, "You're right, Bob, or whatever his name was. I'm not going to go into detail. <laughs> you're right." <laughs> and you know what? It's yeah, I think just, that one of the reasons that. Uh, Tortorella's players respect him is he doesn't coach them through the media. There are coaches and we could name a couple if we tried not very hard who seem to do a lot of coaching through the media. After a game, they hit the podium and they talk about this player and that player and nope, Torts, he, he talks to the guys first, he holds their attention he holds their respect. They might not like him very much sometimes. But you know what you're getting from him. You know yeah. what he expects from you. And he's going to look you in the eye and tell you what the problem is um, right up front to you so that you can begin to act on it uh, if you choose pretty quickly. I, I completely agree. The... What, what amazes me the most, and we're doing it ourselves right now, is either ignoring or just somehow not including 
uh, or acknowledging the fact that the Philadelphia Flyers managed to walk through the round robin tournament and finished with the number one seed. Now I have my theories on this because I've been after watching the Bruins. I'm not sure if it's a lack of interest. What I want to believe is that the teams in the round robin part of it, as much as they want to win, and I get it, every player wants to win. Yep. There is this theory that because they're already in, there's a lack of urgency and more of a desire to stay healthy. We saw that, that in the Toronto series, Jake Muzzin goes down, Tampa Bay, Victor Hedman, and he rolled over his ankle. It was ugly. Happened in the first period last night. Yes, I he saw that, mad. unfortunately. He was mad, and I under- completely understand it. Got nobody to blame for it. I don't know how serious it is. I mean, I've rolled over my ankle many times. Sometimes you can come back five minutes later. Uh, in his case, they're hoping for that situation and not that it's more serious, which it potentially could be. I'm wondering if the in the Bruins case, if it's more of a let's stay healthy, we'll go out there, we'll play competitive, but we're not going to kill ourselves, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, we're not going to put ourselves in dangerous. I don't exactly. I don't know if that's the truth. I would love either. for that to be true. But having watched at least parts of the three games that they have played so far. Well, they've only played two. They got the third one. Well, I'm counting the preliminary game. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was ugly as well. Um, I don't know that they've actually put together 60 minutes, 60 useful minutes between those three games. I was going to say, I don't know if they put together 30 useful minutes, but okay. Combined three games, 60. Okay, I'll go for that. I, I, I don't think that they have. There are um, a couple of players on the team that don't look like they've taken They don't misses. look like they missed a beat. I mean, Pasta is still firing at the net. Like, yes, he's Pasternak is legitimately annoyed that he did not get to get the chance to hit 50. I think he's I think that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and I honestly think that he also doesn't like the fact that he ended up having to share the rocket Richard. Not I don't think he's pouting. I don't think that he's I don't think that that's anywhere the emotional state. But I think that he wanted to be the best, not a share of the best. And as long as, you know, he he goes into the postseason healthy and comes out of it healthy. I would not want to be a goaltender that's going to face him. And when the season starts, I'm going to predict it right here, right now. Well, the, the if those idea. two things are true, if those th- two things are true, mm-hmm. the first month of the season for Pasternak will be his most productive first season and first month uh, in in his NHL career. That said, I I do worry. I I, I do have concerns since we're mentioning the Bruins very briefly. Um. One of the things that I, I found, one of the stories that I found is apparently on Friday. Uh, yes, uh, I did see that one, too. Patrice. I was going to bring it up later, but yeah. Oh, OK. I didn't. Uh, OK, no, no, no. we can do it now. We can do it now because uh, you mentioned Bergeron was out and Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci were both 
listed as unfit to participate. Actually, they also included um, Halak in that in that category, which is terrifying. Yeah, I mean, Since- Cassidy says all three are in the same category and expected to play Sunday, but why? Terrifying. What is this sudden idea? I mean, is unfit to participate the is it umbrella? Is it, it the umbrella? Sorry. Yes. It is still the it is the umbrella, unfortunately. But it's is terrifying that- to think that, you know, they could not have their two number one centers. We know at some point they're permanently not going to have them. Um, we're all hoping that that's going to be 25 or 30 years away. But realistically, it's uh, it's going to happen much sooner than that. I mean, it's nice that the younger players and, and, and trying to get the younger players some, some experience and whatnot. Is this the time to do it? I mean, uh, should he have, if he was going to do that, should he have not started with the playing game? Should he have not start uh, or the, the whatever you want to call it, the practice game or, yeah. or I mean, the exhibition. They're either going to face the Islanders or the Hurricanes. I don't know and, which of those is better to face. Mm, yeah, I mean, the Hurricanes I, you played last year, you beat the ever-loving snot out of them. Um, I, they're going to be more motivated than anyone. Um, but the Islanders, the Islanders have been overlooked. You barely heard their names. Um, and I think that that, uh, going back to the Flyers, I think that that's one of the keys to their success. Yeah, they had the local pressure, but when was the last time you heard anyone talk about the Flyers as a serious contender? Uh, Ron Hextall, I believe, was the goaltender. <laughs> maybe, maybe Brian Boucher. Okay, uh, then. Although, so, Brian, I have my own issues with Brian Boucher, but that's enough of that. Um, I like him commentating uh, between the glass or whatever, but excellent. Uh, he is observer. excellent, but at times he tends to show his bias without, I don't think he intends to, but he was a little bit biased toward the Penguins in the Penguins Canadian series. Every time they got down, well, let's see if they can, what can they do? And, and when the Canadians got up, it was, yeah, yeah they're that's... doing a good job, but it was like, but anyway, he does a very good job, but don't get me wrong. He explains a lot of things. He's he's good about making sure that everybody understands what's going on. But there were times where I got a little eek about his favoritism. Well, the bias um, towards the Penguins, though, is generally league-wide. It's And the fact that both <laughs> they... And the fact that you're not going to have... You're not gonna have the Oilers. <clears throat> you're not going to have... How many big stars are we not going to have going a forward? Third of them. Like a third of them. No McDavid, it's, no Dreisaitl, no Sidney Crosby, no Malkin, no Gensel, no... Uh, Latang. No Latang. well, yeah, whatever. Uh, no, no Roman Yossi. Um, no Yossi, no Philip Forsberg. Uh, wow. You could make an all-star team out of the stars eliminated from uh, the playoffs so far. And, that and that's before, that's before uh, today's game where... Either Toronto goes home or uh, the other guys do. If yeah, Toronto guys. goes home, Columbus. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 
but seriously, in that series, it's Toronto and the other guys. As much as you may like Columbus, no one expected Columbus to win that series. I'm sorry. It was finally said publicly, and I, I'm not sure who said it. I want to believe it was somebody up in the booth, but it could have been in the Seth Jones is the best defenseman in the NHL. I heard that and nearly fell completely off my yes, couch. You and which, me both. Probably that thought I heard was probably you. <laughs> I think it might have actually been Mike Milbury, which is kind of stunning. Yes, I believe because, it was Milbury. Yes, thank you. Uh, I mean, Mike Milbury at the game, the best of he said, the best defenseman in the NHL. And you know what? Not going to argue it. I said, what, two years ago that. I didn't want to hear from anyone who was, wasn't really willing to acknowledge him as, at worst, a top five defenseman. Um, and just watching him play in this series, and I, I, I don't, I don't get any discussion of him being outside the top three. Uh, number one, number two, number three—it's all going to come down to how you evaluate each section of the game, you know, whether you evaluate, whether you break it down into offensive zone play, neutral zone play, defensive zone play, whether you, how you evaluate passing, uh, physicality, whether it's blocking or hits. Um, but he does it all. That's the thing. He, he does it all. I love, really John, I love John, I love John Carlson. Uh, this year, probably going to get the Norris. And but Seth Jones will get his at least I hope so when they don't do the same thing to him that they did to Shea Weber because he doesn't score enough they're not going to give him one because um, Shea Weber fabulous Shea Weber, but Shea Weber should have gotten at least one Norris by now yes uh, and we can point to a certain guy who used to play for Detroit uh, for depriving him and Shara <laughs> of of at least you one just do not like Nicky Lidstrom and that's fair enough. It's not that I don't like Nick Lidstrom. It's the fact that he gets way more credit for his admittedly above average abilities than he should. (laughs) He is. I'm not even sure he's the best defenseman to play for the Red Wings, much less the best defenseman of an era as people kept trying to compare him. I think that the Detroit people were really still ticked off that Ray Bork finished his career with more Norris trophies than anyone in that franchise. And that might have something to do with it. Okay. I don't know how Ray Bork fit into that. I was going to just say that Nick Lidstrom won his on the back of the way they award the Norris trophy. Now you have to be this offensive uh, dynamo and, and you have to be just kind of okay at defense. I don't understand it. That's why I'm worried about Seth Jones getting hosed. Because um, Seth Jones does it all well, but I don't see him as being the top point getter. I don't see him blowing away the field the way Brent Burns does, the way Alatang used to, the way uh, John Carlson, Carlson, the way yeah. John Carlson did this year. That's not Seth Jones' game. Seth Jones is all around the best defenseman in the NHL. He's big. He's physical. He can score. He plays all three phases of the game. He's already playing 27-plus minutes a night or 26-plus minutes a night, whatever it is. It's If you don't look at this guy 
and see at least two Norris trophies in his future. Something's wrong with you, or you need to readjust your glasses, or something. You just don't understand hockey, period. Um, That said, let's dive into our topics for the week uh, so we can get uh, through the show and, um, you know, have a semi organized conversation. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, what, what are your two biggest surprises so far in the playoffs? Two biggest surprises. Uh, uh, number one of the, one of the two would be that both 12, see, although no, it can't be a surprise because we predicted them. We, we, we really did. Pre- we, we predicted Edmonton at least losing the, at least the Chicago one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I one of them would have to be Carey Price looked like Carey Price, not a shell thereof that he's kind of turned into the last couple of years. I mean, he he stood on his head in, in that series and, and he needed to be that good along with the top four D-man being as good as they were. Um. My other surprise would have to be I'm gonna I'm gonna say it I'm Philly uh, playing the way they have and we talked about it very briefly but they look solid I mean the, their lines have all gelled their their D looks really good uh, Carter Hart is playing as they expected he would Carter Hart is has forfeit fulfilled their hopes um. Whether he'll fulfill their dreams, that's another question, uh, and that's going to take more than just Carter Hart. They haven't gotten a huge amount from their their best players, but that's okay. And that's they're and winning, that's the surprise. and they're healthy. Claude Giroux, Jacob Voracek, Hayes. Uh, I forget who, who the other one is. Yeah, they're, they're just their big stars have like no goals. All of their goal scoring has come from depth. Joel Farabee, uh, last night, uh, I forget his first name, Obe, Obe Kubel. Yep. The the new kid. It, it, it's And they, they brought up a couple of youngsters who have filled right in. It's been, I, I we, we're not big fans of Elaine Vigneault, but at I, some point, do we have to give him, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, do we have to give him any credit for this? Um, we have to, we have to give him some credit, but he hasn't had to do the one thing that he's never shown an ability to do, and that's make adjustments. Uh, the other thing that is worth pointing out is how much NHL coaching experience there is on the bench that doesn't belong to Elaine Vigneault. You've got thousands of games of NHL head coaching experience behind that bench. Um, so it's not just the Elaine Vigneault show with a couple of guys who are, who have never been head coaches in the NHL. Uh, Mike Eo is there. Love him, hate him. He isn't the guy who picked the teams that he used to coach, but he's seen a lot of the league and he's seen a lot of players. And I suspect that when the general manager put together this team, 
of uh, of coaches. He looked at these guys for what they're best at and turned them not into an assembly of guys who have ideas, but they actually look like a good alloy. It's a blend of their best features covering up their worst features. And by the way, was wrong on that count. Uh, Shane Goss, Shane Gostisbehere played in last night's game. Yes, he did. Um, and that was that was actually really gratifying to see for his sake. Yeah. Um, With the multiple surgeries he's had over the last couple of years. Ah, uh, because they very they good weren't to see expecting. Him. I mean, we saw that he wasn't uh, really expected to play. Um, maybe not in the uh, maybe not in the playoffs at all. Um, a surprise for me. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm not, I, I am not actually, I'm not trashing anyone, but nope, that's all right. Nathan McKinnon, zero goals, <sighs> zero goals. And there's a team we haven't talked about either Vegas. Mm. Uh, yeah. Vegas, Nate, Vegas, uh, is one of the teams that I honestly expected to be in the, in the conference finals when we started the playoffs. So, and, and then they went and got themselves Robin Leonard. Oops. <laughs> Sorry, rest of NHL. <laughs> it's a good thing you can only play one goaltender at a time. Uh, otherwise, they might not lose games. Um, well, well, here's a choice. Here's a choice for Peter DeBoer. You play the guy that's in a very small sample size, granted, but you play the guy that's five zero and zero since he joined the team with a nine twenty something, nine thirty yes. save percentage, or you play the guy that has. Five Stanley Cup final appearances. Appearances. Yeah. Um, Three wins. Yeah, he had. Yes, his save percentage is down this season. Um, but the experience is not something that you can ignore. So he knows to be calm, cool, collected. He knows how, how to handle himself. Or you got Robin Leonard, who, by the way, is probably one of the top three goalies of the last three years. Yeah. Um, hmm. Tough choice there, Peter. <laughs> I it's actually a problem don't. literally every uh, head coach in the league would love to have. Yes. Um, but as far as Nathan McKinnon, I am I I don't know what the what's with the power outage. I mean, this is the guy. See, who, it's not just him. Um. I'm going to call it right now. So far, this offseason or this postseason, we have had a superstar-free event. Malkin and Crosby looked mortal at best. John oh. Tavares has only really had, like, one goal. Watching Malkin have, have, have small meltdowns was, uh, I don't want to say enjoyable because I like Malkin. But the team that he plays for, unfortunately, but watching Malkin have little small meltdowns and, and slamming his stick and getting all frustrated, he was a, he almost was invisible. I mean, let's put it this way. Milan Lucic has more goals in the playoffs, admittedly more games played, but uh -huh. he has a goal and three assists and has a plus one in the playoffs so far. Mm hmm. Um, 
can you off the top of your head, can you name me the top three guys for points uh, in the playoffs who are going to move forward? Who are going to move forward? Yeah. Uh, Kubalik is one of them. Uh, yes, he would be third. In points, you said, not goals, points. Points, yep. Uh, like I said, Kubalik is one. Uh, he's Well, in, in fairness, he's actually tied with uh, a Calgary player, but uh, go ahead. The Calgary player has one less goal and one more assist. That are going forward. Yeah. Uh-huh. You, you're not going to guess them, because... <clears throat> The first one isn't hugely surprising, given the way Jeff, he's... Jeff Petri? <laughs> uh, no. The first one isn't hugely surprising, given the way Nick that Suzuki. He, he, Suzuki's going to be up there, uh, but let me just give him to you real quick. All right, go ahead. We know Connor McDavid is not moving on. He had nine points in four games. You said moving on. Yes. Right. Um, so, yes, he's he had a great playoffs. You can't hang this on him. Uh, you can't hang the Oilers' performance on them. We know where their deficiencies are. Sebastian Ajo, eight points in three games. 2.67 points per game. Actually shouldn't be surprised by that. Sebastian Ajo is a very good player. He is, but that's that's like 80s hockey numbers. <laughs> um, Jonathan Taze is the second highest scoring player moving forward. He's been a he's been a, he's actually been a monster for the for Chicago. 55.3% in the faceoff circle. 19 minutes a night. Um two even strength uh goals. Um one power play goal. Yeah. Captain Dominic Kubelik, Captain Sir Captain Sirius, whatever you want to call him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Kubalik, who you mentioned, um, Sean Monahan is tied with him. Sean Monahan, four points in six, or I'm sorry, six points, four games, plus four. Uh, um, Quinn Hughes, who, you know, if the Calder voting weren't completely wrapped by now, would just have put a bow on it uh, with six points in four games as a rookie defenseman. <laughs> Wait, Kale McCarr had more goals than Nathan McKinnon. Uh, well, having a goal gives you more than Nathan McKinnon. That, that that that's not what I said. I just said he had more goals. Yes. Didn't say it was one. Just <laughs> he had more goals than most of the stars on the Pittsburgh on the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, the, is there a changing? Is there a changing of the guard? Is is uh, in the NHL? Are we looking at younger uh, look, players taking over? I, see, my question is, are we looking at the end of the superstar era? Look at the Arizona Coyotes. An Arizona Coyotes team who is deprived of their general manager thanks to their leadership. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Kookiness. Yeah. Um. There's no one on that team right now except maybe Oliver Ekman Larson who qualifies as a superstar. Maybe. Really? Not Taylor Hall? Not Bill Castle? Taylor Hall has They're not stars. been healthy enough in the last two years 
okay. to really or consistently healthy uh, in the last two to three years to qualify as a superstar. You need to be recognizable. You need to be in the highlight reels once a week at minimum for me okay. to count as a superstar. Is he still a good player? Absolutely. Darcy uh, Kemper. Darcy Kemper? Yeah, he may he may be right on the edge. But when you look at that team on paper, is that is that the cast of characters that you're going to take uh, to build uh, a dominant cup winning team in the current NHL? Can you can you name half of the Arizona Coyotes without no. looking at a list? I, I cannot. I, mean, I can I can name I love more the than team. I can name more than most, and even I won't be able to come up with all of them. I can probably get to ten players without trying. I mean, I have the list in front of me, but uh, actually, I probably couldn't name more than ten. But it would take way too long for a segment of the show. I will. I but, will say that. I will say that the. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, see, when we look at when we look at the teams who advanced out of the play in round, uh, one really unique thing about the Coyotes is all but two players who played in all four games found the score sheet. So they're get they got a playoff win for the first time since 2012. Uh, as far as the rounds go. And they had two guys, just two, to play in all four games who didn't find the score sheet. That's pretty remarkable. And that's, even with the play of Darcy Kemper, which was hugely important, I mean, 49 saves in on Friday, his second consecutive 40-save uh, uh, game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty solid. Um, and, uh, USA Today put out a really, really good article by Richard Morin, uh, of the Arizona Republic, uh, on, uh, the seventh. Um, it's worth tracking down. Um, headline is Arizona Coyotes eliminate Nashville Predators for first playoff series win since 2012. Um, definitely take a quick look at it, people. Um, it's a solid read, some really good information, um, and get to know these coyotes. Uh, there's enough talent on that team that plays well together, which isn't always the case, um, that this team is going to be around a while. I've been... I've been following and uh, liking very much the Arizona Coyotes for a while. Uh, yes, it has to do with the fact that they acquired a goaltender that I was hyping ever since his days, his first days when he was in Minnesota. And the fact that Minnesota, with their three-headed monster of uh, Kemper, Harding, and Backstrom, it wasn't even Devin Dubnik back then. They couldn't now that's going back a ways. <laughs> they couldn't figure out. Well, Harding was young. Dick Kemper was a rookie. Backstrom was the the cemented number one, but not a fabulous number one. Harding took over the job. Kemper had the job. They finally deal him away uh, after he languishes on the bench as a backup. 
finally gets his chance to shine in a place like Arizona. Granted, it, it is the pressure on in Arizona as much as it would be in L.A. where he was dealt for like a week. Uh, actually, I think it was the rest of that season. But he, yes, there's not as much pressure in Arizona, but this is a kid who has shown the ability and now he's leading this team, dragging them, kicking and screaming, him and OEL, I'm sure. They've got Taylor Hall, they've got Phil Kessel, they got Derek Stepan. There's playoff his, there's playoff experience there. There's solid goaltending. The defense, I mean, you got Shalmerson and Goligoski. It's not all young kids, but there's a lot of young talent. I, I don't think you can I don't think you can shy away from this team. Can they beat I'm not even sure who they're playing in the next round. Um, can they win another round in these playoffs? I think it's. I think they're capable of it. They're going to have to step up their game, but I think they can pull it off. I don't think they're going further than the next round. I think it's going to just get tougher and tougher. And as much as I love Darcy Kemper, they do have one secret weapon that isn't on the ice. However, go for it. Behind the bench, uh, a guy that I raved about in the team they just beat, Nashville, went on to be a head coach and then got himself fired because he didn't have all the equipment that he needed. Phil Housley is now their assistant coach in charge of the defense in Arizona. Oh, yes, that one. I wonder if that had anything at all to do with beating Nashville, if he knows what their defensive tendencies are. He probably does. Um, and not to discount the uh, the great efforts and consistency of the players, but I think that the return of the Peyote Coyote jersey helps a lot. <laughs> Who doesn't like that jersey? Hello. <laughs> uh, I honestly I love the jersey. If I ever if I end up anywhere out in Arizona for sometime in the next year or two, I will buy one because. Just because. Just because. Uh, is this the end of, and it's not some, not a topic, just a quick question. Is this the end of Nashville the way they are currently um, constituted? It, it almost has to be. <clears throat> it almost has to be. Do you deal off a Ryan Ellis or, or, I mean, are you dealing off one of your big defensemen? You, you, I would actually think you would have to deal off one of the See, bigger I don't name know. forwards, but I think they're going to, I think the reset will probably be gutting their top six. Really? Uh, as far as their forwards, uh, I really, I don't know that. I don't think that defense is necessarily their issue. Um, I think that there's a bit of complacency, uh, across the team. Um, but I personally would not start with their defense. Kyle Turris. Is this the end of Pecorino? Almost certainly. I think Um, Hines prefers Saros. That's why he started all the games. I don't um, think it was. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, Turris is gone. I agree. Uh, Duchesne? Duchesne is a player who you see him play in his best games, and you want to like him so much. Mm-hmm. He clearly loves being successful. 
I'm not sure about his every week effort. Okay. Um, and that's that's not a slam. He could have health issues. There could be some underlying uh, stuff that we just plain don't know about, and that's a case pretty frequently. Um, but I I suspect there's something else going on. Uh, Duchesne, let's face it, Duchesne has never been the guy, the forward, involved in a playoff series win. When you look at the teams that he's played on to date. That's true. Lost to, lost to um, Boston. He's never been the guy to push... Um, uh, who is pushing the envelope, pushing the team forward for uh, for whatever roster he's on? Am I saying he's the problem? No. Am I saying he's the solution? I am absolutely not saying he's the solution. He might be a good cog, but if you're counting on him to be one of your three or four, one of your three best forwards, uh, count again. Count again. That's three. Well, you've got you got Philip Forsberg, who I still haven't figured him out. I mean, we always used to joke. We we always used to joke until the last season or two uh, that he was a second half before drafting him in the fantasy league. For example, it was almost like you drafted him and then stashed him away because you knew that he wasn't going to perform much in the first half, but come January 1st or the last week of December, he was going to turn it on and he was going to give you three games in a row where he was going to score eight goals, which he did more than once. So there's him. Can they get rid of Johansson, who they traded for uh, some guy named Jones? Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you honestly trade him away and say that he's not performing up to what you were up to expectations. I don't know who it's going to be. And it may well come down to who wins, who wins the, uh, the draft lottery on Monday. Ah, yes. Draft lottery part two. If, if for some reason the Nashville predators end up with the first overall pick, (laughs) That revamps their top six all by itself. Maybe not next season. Maybe next season you send them to junior, send them to the AHL. I don't see that happening. I would say a number we'll one pretend. overall going We'll pretend. To, okay, all right, all right. We'll pretend. Right. Um, maybe, that's, maybe that's enough of a reset. I mean, the odds that it will not be Pittsburgh or, um, or Edmonton – uh, are fairly low because, well, Pittsburgh and Edmonton, uh, it seems to be what they do when they need to um, or want to. Uh, although for Pittsburgh, or for Edmonton, as much as 200 hockey experts are going to tell me I'm wrong, if I were Edmonton and I got this pick, got the number one pick, I would trade it before the draft. 
I would trade it for a defenseman. No, I would legitimately trade it for a defenseman. I, 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 I agree was with you. Cap- was number one capable. I agree with you. Like if, if I could you, talk to. Honestly, the, think that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't honestly think it's going to happen there because you go. there is there. I don't believe that there's a general manager in the NHL right now with the. Um, testicular fortitude uh, to make that call. But here's the thing. If I am the GM of the Edmonton Oilers Monday ball pops, uh, ball pops up and it's got my name on it. I'm immediately calling. uh, I'm, I'm immediately calling the Nashville predators and saying, give me your first, uh, let's talk about Roman Yossi. (laughs) <laughs> uh, do you like David Poyle at all? <laughs> do you no, know David Poyle at all? I, I, that's that's legitimately the phone call that I'm making. I, I the, can see David Poyle taking the call. Uh, the only other, I mean, another phone call that might be worth exploring is calling St. Louis and saying, look, I need a sign and trade. I I need Petrangelo. Mm. Yeah, I could see that one. I mean, if you call, if you legitimately, if you call um, Columbus and say, Seth Jones, the line is going dead. Wait, uh, (laughs) wait, are they even going to pick up? (laughs) Uh, Well, they might pick up because you don't know. You don't know what they what's going to what the next thing out of. Ken I mean, it might be the last be. time they pick up the phone <laughs> for you, but Ken Holland, Ken Holland's probably smart enough to not know he can't call Columbus. And and who's the who's the GM there? Yamo Kiko is it Kiko Linen? Uh, almost irrelevant for our conversation, but um, yeah, that's true. So uh, whoever it is, uh, Bubba Ray or. or uh, some guy it's, from down it's the street. Definitely Devon. But yeah, Devon Dudley. There you go. I outside of yeah, no, there's nobody that's going to make that. Hold on, you want me to give you Seth Jones? No, I'm sorry. Click. <laughs> <laughs> and that that would be it. But if you're, but just just for the sake of conversation, you're David Boyle. You know you need to remake your roster because. The team has not been believable as a contender since they lost to Pittsburgh in this in the Cup Finals. But I don't know that he's going to break up. The defense isn't their problem, I guess. Is the defense I'm... isn't their problem, but the complacency overall is. And when you trade one of the ten best defensemen in the NHL for whatever reason, whatever you're getting in return, you're saying complacency is dead. Don't bring any of it to camp and return all packages to sender uh, if anyone uh, if anyone sends you some. Just okay. Is it again? I do not expect this to happen. But if I'm Edmonton, I really, really, really strongly consider a trade of that piece because Alex Lafreniere as talented as he is, isn't going to turn them into a contender or a winner. Well, no, it's, it, it's another forward. And where do you, st- at some point 
you've got way too many forwards and not enough of anything else. I mean, they traded away Jordan. Uh, they traded away Taylor Hall. They traded away Eberle. Uh, they've lost other players. It's good that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is actually looking like a top draft pick, finally. They, I mean, um, they had Jakub, uh, now Yakupov, who ended up... Back no. in the KHL? Yeah. Um, tell me the but, last time they drafted a defenseman with their first-round pick. It, uh, almost, I'm almost positive it was Darnell Nurse. I believe you are correct. Um, but they need to refocus on useful. Well, they need to actually do something useful in acquiring defensemen for the first time in forever, forever. Um, and it has to be at least a two-way defenseman who can play at least 20 minutes a night on their second pairing at minimum against the first or second line of the opposition. And it has to be someone that there's, that's going to get, that's going to play at least another four or five years in that Jersey. Fair enough. Um, I, don't, I don't see them. I don't see Edmonton doing it, but Ken Holland's actually Ken Holland's, not going to let it go unchecked. I don't know how much sway he has past the owners, but, Uh, and if they were to get the number one pick, clearly, like you said, they're going to take Lafreniere. I can see it, but Ken Holland was in Detroit. Mm -hmm. They built that team to win Stanley cups. He had Fatisov. He had Larry Murphy. He had uh, Nick Lidstrom. A young Cronwall at one point. I don't know if he was around for the cup. He, I think he got one cup while he was there. He recognizes that defense is important, and I think that he will change the culture. It may take a while, and he may have to drag the team kicking and screaming, but I do believe Ken Holland can change the culture in Edmonton. It's not, but it's not just the culture. It's you have to change. You have to change the personnel. The guys that they have well, are not good defensively. And I think he will make that change. And the question is, what does he have, you know, how much does he have to work with? How much of the salary is eaten up by two or three players? Oh, almost a third of their salary is eaten up by Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Are those issue. bad players? No. No, but it's the same issue in Toronto, and they have the same issue as Edmonton. Defense... Uh, Oh, there's there's is even worse because they have like four guys who trading them would probably lead to the general manager being lynched. Although, given the way that they talk about Mitch Marner up there, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure that's the case. They he might actually be tradable without major uh, blowback. I don't know what they've got against. I think that's stupid, but (laughs) I I just don't know what they got against Mitch Marner in Toronto. But I don't either. But you, when you look at that team, you've got over 11 and a half for Matthews, 11 for Tavares, mm-hmm. um, almost 11 for Marner. Uh, Is Marner up that high? I thought yeah. he was. Oh, wait, he's, he, he signed just he signed slightly less money than one hundred and seven thousand less than Matthews, which That's is right. giggle inducing. 
Oh no no, no I'm sorry, one hundred and seven thousand less than Tavares, but it's uh, it's like seven hundred thousand under Matthews. So you got um, Matthews, Tavares, Marner. I mean, William. Uh, you got uh, over Nylander. thirty million. Over thirty million in those three players: Matthews, Tavares, and Marner. And then you've got Nylander. Who makes what seven? Just under seven. Yeah. Um, you've got Kerfoot, uh, Kapanainen, or Kapanen rather. Uh, and then you've got the who's nobody of defenses. Um, well, now without Jake, now without Jake Muzzin, they're really. <laughs> I mean, Morgan Riley is that it? Yeah, that's. Man. Cody Cece might be the best defenseman currently skating on that team. Well, the best defense, the best defenseman that plays defense. Um, Rasmus Sandin, haven't seen enough of him to know what he's going to be like. Right. Maybe Travis Dermott, maybe, but he's still on his entry-level contract, too. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got... <laughs> Uh, the team's whipping boys of uh, Frederick Anderson and Jack Campbell, who are 30 and 28 and, you know, see more rubber than Goodyear. Well, they've got a game today. They got it. They got their game five. Uh, yeah, they're any, they're playing another elimination game. Yeah. Any th- any thoughts uh, before we. If yeah. if. I think that this t- this game is going to come down to the better coached team. On paper, Toronto is hands down better offensively, despite the fact that Pierre-Luc Dubois has been the best player in the game, in the series. In the series. He's been ridiculous. Hustle, he had, physicality. Uh, he's put on a laser show a couple of games. It just he's, uh, got an, he's got an edge about him, too. He's playing with this like chip on his shoulder or something because he's getting physical. He's getting that. He's 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 hitting. I know he's a big boy. He's what, six, two, six, three or something like that. Over 200 pounds. I mean, but he's using his size to his advantage, which I haven't seen from him before. Usually he's just offensively gifted and he's go, go, go. But I don't see him getting physical. He's been he's been turning up the physical in this series. If they make it into the regular, into the if, if the Jackets win today, mm-hmm. you have to, you absolutely have to put Pierre Luc Dubois in the top half of your consummate conversation. There is no way that they get out of this round without Pierre Luc Dubois. Zero. As much I as I love Seth Jones, as much as I love uh, Zach Wierenski. Elvis. Uh, Elvis. Elvis looked human. Uh, he looked human in that game. He's the one who was in net when they coughed up that three-goal lead uh, late in the game. Yeah, that's true. Um, 6-3-2-18 is what he's listed at. Uh Number three pick in the 2016 draft. Yeah, and the two that were taken ahead of him? Uh, reasonable guys. Uh, some guy named Line A and another named Matthews. Oh, okay. 
Um, Interesting draft. (laughs) This draft actually really, really, really was interesting. Matthews, Line, (laughs) Dubois, uh, Pogliarvi, Yolevi, Kachuk, Keller, Nylander, uh, Sergachev, and Yost. And I want to say that almost all of those guys played uh, in the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Sergeyev. Oh, oh, yes, I knew there was something I wanted. Very quickly and go completely ahead. off topic, but Jonathan Drouin scored a goal for the Canadian. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, on a more serious note, though, Montreal having gotten past the Penguins. They weren't expecting to be there. They dealt. Mm-hmm. They dealt how many players away because they they were sellers at the deadline, not expecting to make the playoffs. Oh, they. I mean, they had sold. they kept. Had they kept? Uh, I don't know. Kovalchuk. Uh, yeah. Anybody else? I mean, who did they? De- I'm trying to remember all the different deals they made because they brought in Nick's. They got. Was Nick Suzuki a deadline deal? Or was he last summer? I I want to say he was a. I, you know what? At this point, <laughs> it's sort of blurred on me. Right. That's my thing. I I. But they the, the turnover on that team, and for them to still get out of this qualifying round and and moving on to the traditional first round. Okay, of the they traded away Nick Cousins. They traded away okay. Matthew Pekka. Uh, they traded away Nate Thompson. Um, those were all in the on February 24th. They okay. traded away Ilya Kovalchuk on the 23rd. They traded out um, Philip Verone and Riley Barber for uh, Josip Landini and Jacob Lucini. Um, Neither of which played in the playoffs, as far as I can tell. They traded out Marco Scandella uh, on February 18th. That was the other one, Scandella. Um, and on January 7th, they traded out Michael Caron, uh, January 2nd, they traded, uh, oh no, they, that was okay. And then going back to, they traded out Mike Riley, uh, on the, on January 2nd as well. No, the defenseman. Yeah. They, they, they made a, they traded out a practice squad, uh, at minimum. (laughs) I just think that it, it, the amount of moves that they made and for them to still be where they are, I, I I think we need to give Claude a little bit more credit than he's getting at this point in time. Uh, okay, is there any general manager in the league happier right now than Mark Bergevin? Well, he gets to keep his job a little longer, so... <laughs> I mean, he traded happy all of those guys and beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. And not just squeaked by the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm no, not sure, except in the actual win, that the Pittsburgh Penguins looked like a better team for an entire period um, in uh, in that series. Now he can sit there in front of the press and make the argument that, yes, Carey Price was worth $10 million a year. Uh, he can make the argument that dealing Kovalchuk really didn't have any effect on the team and and because of where they are uh it, it almost i don't want to say it 
it's a get out of jail free card for him. At the moment, yes, he's gonna he's gonna hang on to his job for another year. Claude certainly should hang on to his job if he. I mean, if if they were to get rid of Claude, that would. If they were to get rid of Claude, Claude's phone would start ringing before he managed to pack his desk up. Agreed. And it wouldn't even necessarily be a team that had planned to fire their head coach. Although Bloody Monday is coming, and uh, I'm kind of curious which coaches, which general managers are going to get the axe. Tomorrow, you think that there's going to be a lot of axes falling? I think we should. I think we'll probably see two or three uh, guys get let go. Uh, who are we looking at? I, maybe you need to look. I mean, Edmonton, you might need to look. I'm trying to do. Who the heck is the coach in Edmonton? Oh, Tippett. Tippett? Yeah, I mean, yes, their defense is so deficient that. And he, uh, he didn't he come in partway through the season? So maybe, maybe not him. Yes. Um, he came in, they, they got rid of uh, Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, maybe we just that. need to wait until after the re- after the first, the official first round uh, to look at where the axe is going to fall. Although I suspect we'll see uh, one or two guys okay. head out. Mike Sullivan. I feel like that's a situation where if the general manager is going to fire the coach, he might as well pack his own desk. Lost nine of the last 10 playoff games. Haven't won a playoff series since the second cup win in a row. Um, yeah, I mean, Ron Cook, uh, in his article for the Post-Gazette, he eviscerates the entire core of that team. Eviscerates. I'm not going to go over it all. Um, but Which story in is this? This is in the Post-Gazette? Post-Gazette. I, I missed this one. Okay. Ron Cook's uh, Don't Let Penguin Stars Off the Hook. Uh, it was published today on the 9th, um, 5 a.m., well before I even woke up enough to decide to go back to sleep. Uh Hard to believe fact number one, this is under their Crosby header. Crosby has just one power play goal in his past 28 playoff games. Under the Malkin header. Hard to believe fact number two, Malkin has gone 16 playoff games in a row without an even strength goal. Hard to believe fact number three, Latang has gone 66 consecutive postseason games without a power play goal. Well, we discussed it at length when it happened the last time they won that cup. They, the NHL, whoever votes on it, writers, NHLPA, NHL, uh, whatever. Jake Gensel should have got the con Smythe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And they turn around and handed the trophy to <gasps> Sidney Crosby. No, Jake um, Gensel. Jake Gensel. It, it, clearly, when he's not out there, they miss him. Um, uh, but they. I mean, they blame. He, I mean, he even kicks uh, Gensel and Murray a couple of times. Um, but his 
you have to read this article. Uh, if you're listening to the show, read the article. It's worth, you know, five, seven minutes of your time. Um, it's not hugely long. It's not a micro read either, but um, Ron Cook has done something I didn't think you were allowed to do in Pittsburgh, and that's offer genuine criticism of the stars and the organization uh, when you come right down to it, which leads to my question leads to my uh, question specific to the Penguins. Is the Crosby-Malkin era over? I think it's something that they need to take a long, hard look at. Do you deal? I, I don't no, see no, no, Crosby. No. Is the Crosby-Malkin era over? Oh. Uh, yes or no question. I'll go with yes. Good boy. Because, yes, yes, it is. It, it, it's been over for a little bit. In order for them to win another cup, you're going to have to put a better cast around the two of them than they had in that first cup win when they were still very young players. There is a reason why I asked about Mike Sullivan. He, Go. In his press conference. No, real quick. In his press conference. Uh, after the loss, he was saying things, uh, phrases like when the window closes. Uh, yes. It's kind of like John Cooper. We couldn't stand what he the way he spoke after last year or two, whenever it was. And he needs to go. If if Mike Sullivan has that same defeatist attitude, does he need to go as well? Is it actually defeatism when you're talking about a 33-year-old star or two 33-year-olds and a 34-year-old as the core of your team versus the array of under-30 talent that the uh, that the uh, Lightning had at the time? I don't think it is. No one expects NHL forwards to be at their peak at 32 or even 30-plus. It's just not the way it is. I mean, I'd like and, to think that, yeah, he's recognizing. He's and, recognizing the players ages and, you know, the fact that time is not on their side. The rest of the roster also not particularly gifted and whatever you want to think about, uh, Latang, uh, I've talked about him enough times that it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. He, even if his age weren't a factor and he is starting to slow down a little bit when he's healthy, he still skates really well. His passing really hasn't gone anywhere. Um, and yes, he does position himself better than he used to, but the man's got an injury history that, you know, is enough to get, uh, a, any, uh, any student through, uh, medical school, uh, studying, writing up on and, you know, performing mock surgeries on. It's, you know, Father Time wins every fight. Um, these guys are on the ropes. As far as being the elite cornerstones of the NHL brand, not there. They're just not there anymore. Okay. Um, what not else? Gonna, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, not going to disagree with you. I just... I was just wondering about the Mike Sullivan thing, and see, I uh, don't. I again, I don't know if Mike Sullivan 
is going to go or not. I don't see him as the problem because I, it, as much as they shouldn't lose to, uh, on paper, should not lose to the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal had the better goaltender. Montreal had the best defenseman on the ice and probably the second best defenseman on the ice. Jack Petrie, two game winners. And that... And what a snipe for that second one, though. Oh. When you when you take those two factors, the, Pittsburgh cannot compete in defensive games. Neither can Edmonton. Both of them are going home. Or Toronto. Ugh. <laughs> Toronto, Just even if Toronto makes it, even if Toronto makes it today, I, I genuinely expect them not to make it out of the next round. It, it, the uh, old adage, and I'm gonna, and I guess we can, I guess I can finish it up here. The old adage that defense wins championships, it applies, and that's why I don't think Toronto's going much further. <laughs> that, oh, that franchise. <laughs> they they epitomize construction for regular season winning uh, in the current NHL. That that team, the Oilers, the the Penguins roster right now, they're all playing '80s hockey, which is lots and lots of shooting, lot fast skating, scoring, and defense being an afterthought. What do all three rosters have in common? They're no not going to win. They're no not going to win. They're not going to win. Fair enough. In order for one of those three teams to win the cup anytime in the next two or three years, they would have to have a perfect storm of teams that they could go out and play and expect all of the games to end something like 5-6-6-8-9-5 and not games that are going to end 3-1-1-2. Um they're not playing in the right error for the, the way that their teams are constructed. And that's a general manager issue. And when it continues to be a general man, an issue through two or three general managers, it's an ownership issue. Yeah. So fans, you can say, you can complain that the general managers and coaches are doing it wrong and you're right, but you have to look at your ownership and tell them we expect to actually win. Uh, when it counts. Um, and that would be right now. I guess one more question before we wrap uh, for the day. All right. Hit me with it. Biggest disappointment of the postseason to date. Mm. Wow. Uh Honestly, Boston Bruins. Yep. Not just saying that because we're locals. I'm saying that because it. it this is a stopped. team. This is a team that that has now officially, because they ended the season, officially won the President's Trophy. They were on their way to winning it anyway. Their top line was ridiculous. Depth scoring, not so much, but they had a couple of players. I mean, Nebraska is pretty good and whatnot. Goaltending, fabulous Jennings Trophy winners, and they hit this. 
they hit this this playoff qualifier thing and they just look I don't know if it's disinterested or not ready uh, and we mentioned they, earlier that Bergeron and Krejci were both unfit to play if this is something that's been going on since the playoffs started maybe they're going to get a pass they're not young either um but it's not just them it's not that's what I'm saying it's the whole team they just don't look and and I, I that's why I'm wondering did Cassidy say you know what go out there play hard but don't do anything to get yourself injured you know Kasha is going to be back now he's playing he's playing today um I, so you're saying they were told don't get injured don't get uh don't get suspended and we're just going to beat them. Uh, we're going to win games when it will actually matter. And I just I don't know that they have the ability to flip that switch, though. If they do, and I'm not saying that they do, I I still don't I don't like it. It looks bad. It looks entitled. Uh, I hate mm-hmm. the word. It, it it's lazy it's it's just disgusting and i don't think it's going to work that's my concern i don't think it's going to work either i mean the only way i can defend the way that they have played so far is by stating we have known for a long time that Zdeno chara is a slow starter tuka rask is a slow starter uh, Patrice Bergeron is varied a little bit. He's had injuries to start years, so it's a little bit hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Krejci, Krejci has those marvelous three-week cycles <laughs> where he's hot as all as anyone in the league for five, I, eight games. I believe I gave him the nickname Houdini for a reason. Yeah. Um, but Marchand, haven't seen him. Um... But that's the point. It's it, it's not. It's, it, it, it's, it's everybody. everybody, and that's baffling on a team like this. Except yes. Pasta, who seems to I, Pasta like looked said, good. Genuinely, I thought Coyle looked okay, uh, pretty Coyle's, good for one Coyle's game. looked pretty good. Yeah, Corrali, ah. Corrali. It's the playoffs. Corrali is going to show up. He did. Um, he's getting physical. He's skating all over the place. He's, he's annoying the ever loving snot out of the other team. Yes. Yes. But. The rest of the team has occasionally soared to the dizzying heights of meh. And that's not a winning formula. No. You cannot convince me that this team is going to come out of the gates uh, to start the uh, the official first round and dominate or just plain win four games. There is nothing to suggest that from the way that we have seen them play uh, since the since hockey resumed. Nothing. Nope. And it's just not, it it's, hasn't been pretty. It's not going to be, and I'm not expecting a whole heck of a lot of, I'd like to see them win today and, and at least start something. If they do not advance uh, out of the real first round, is Cassidy gone? Ooh. 
because it will it will at minimum mean they will lose four more times, uh, mm-hmm. not counting today's game. It it will mean that they lost like eight out of eleven games, or seven out of eleven games. But my uh, uh, we and and in fairness, we talked about this briefly, what last week or something like that. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know that Sweeney is going to get rid of Cassidy. Cassidy's made the playoffs. They made the finals last year. I think Sweeney's going to give him a pass. To which you said to me, um, it might cost Sweeney and Neely their jobs too, uh-huh. or something like that. Now that is a possibility. I, Sweeney, other than bringing in Halak, has. Not broad. I mean, no. I can't. I'm trying to think of another a coil. A lock and coil. So you bring in a backup goaltender and a third line forward, and those are the but, high points of your. But what other point? I mean, you sign. Okay, Chris Wagner has played his heart out, and and I think you've gotten the very. I think you've gotten pretty close to the very best of what you can out of Chris Wagner. Uh, but he, he Par Lindholm. Yay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, the, the drafting. I mean, he. I think he drafted. No, he did not draft uh, pasta. No, I think pasta. that was still that was still Chia. I believe so. Yeah. So his first draft would have been uh, going no going back to yeah his was that first that fifteen draft where he had the, the three, three the three, the three picks, picks in, in a row. row and somehow took them all and scored on one Jim of them. Rusk. Uh so let's see. Yeah, Zaboral, Debrusque, and Senishin. Mm-hmm. Senishin. No. DeBrusque, yes. Zaborol? No. Eh. No. Um, he also got Brandon Carlo, flat out win. JFK, flat out loss. Almost embarrassing loss. Lozon, he's playing right now, so good. Vladar, has, has he played <sighs> in an NHL game yet? Uh, no, he has not. He sat on the bench as a backup a few times. He hasn't. They haven't needed him to play yet, which is which is probably a good no, sign. No, but that, that's because that's because Halak is who he is. Yeah, well, you've got Halak, and last year and before that, you had Hudobin. Um, so Jesse Gabriel, Cameron Hughes, nope. Jack Becker, nope. Uh, Charlie Coyle. Is he performing at what you would expect for uh, the 14th overall pick? No, but Maybe. I don't think he's – I don't know that he's performed like that in, in Minnesota either. No, 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 McAvoy. Oh, McAvoy. 14th pick overall? Mm, no. It's I know a that's a questionable no, but it's still kind of a no. He did score a power – he did score a goal in the playoff game the other night, but – Uh, Trent Frederick, barely seen him. And admittedly, Frederick was only 16, so really three years. Lindgren has already been traded. 
Unikopinen, don't know anything about him uh, at the NHL level, but fifth round pick, okay, whatever. Um, Cameron Clark, not much there. Oscar Steen, we might see him make a serious push this fall. Um, he's finally playing in, or he finally played in North America. Um, made a decent adjustment. But, and as far as trades go, he traded Danton Heinen for Nick Ritchie. Yay. He traded Axel Anderson and Dave Backus and a first round pick to get Andre Cache. Yeah. I. I mean, there are some. Uh, there's there's two or three years of potentials here as well that we haven't covered. I mean, Swayman looks like he, uh, in college, fabulous, Hobie Baker Award uh, finalist, but haven't seen him even in Providence yet. I know he just signed his his entry level deal. Um, Jack Becker just finished his four years at Michigan. Uh, John Beecher with last year's draft he's still at Michigan Lauko looks like a possibility Pavel Shen is he coming around Uh, there's just Studnika maybe maybe yeah probably two two NHL games (laughs) I I, I don't know but the the biggest trade for a player, not mm-hmm. for draft picks, because he traded out Dougie Hamilton, got those three picks uh, for in, tw- in 2015. Mm-hmm. The biggest trade for a player in his tenure is a trade that almost certainly set the franchise back a year or two. That's the Rick Nash trade. Yeah. Now that one's going to that one's going to hang on his neck for a while, too. Now, you can argue that was just out of place on the roster and that Spooner and Lindgren probably weren't going to get NHL t- much NHL time either. But you also traded a first round pick who turned into uh, Jacob Bernard Docker uh, 26th overall in the uh, 18 draft and the seventh round pick um, Massimo Rizzo. Um <laughs> Docker is yet to be signed to an NHL contract, but he played at, at North Dakota this year. Um, he's a defenseman who managed to put up a paltry uh, 25 points, uh, be a plus 21 in 32 games. Seven goals, 18 assists. Um, that might possibly be a legit talent there. Maybe. Um, and then Rizzo, yeah, I mean, he's still playing in the BCHL, but he was over a point per game there, uh, last season. These are guys who, you know, might've helped your system more than Rick Nash. I mean, Rick Nash was a dumpster fire during his thankfully brief tenure. He was the second best Nash on the team, and it wasn't close. Everybody forgets about Riley Nash, who, by the way, is in Columbus. And one of, and in the playoffs, he's been one of their best players again. 
Um, yeah, imagine that. Weird. Just weird. Mm-hmm. No relation, it, by the way. <laughs> yes, you can tell because one of them is talented. Oh. And works hard. Oh, wow. And on that note, boys and girls. <laughs> I think that's everything. I think we've beaten everybody to death that uh, that deserves it, and we've given praise where it's deserved. Sounds about right. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Enjoy the hockey. Uh, I will certainly be on Twitter, at least watching it uh, more uh, as the playoffs progress. Um, I can't wait for the real, real playoffs to start. Um, I thought that there's been too much of a division between the play-in rounds that have actually had heart and looked like um, looked like real playoff games and the round-robin tournaments uh, games, which have not. And I will use Monday night to catch up on all the sleep that I lost this past week. Uh, oh, come because on. The draft lottery isn't going to be that boring. Well, it, it might be the actual uh, thing that pushes me over the edge because it it, it, it was tough going from noontime until 1 o'clock in the morning. We're talking 13 hours of solid hockey. <laughs> Piker. Okay. What are you talking about? It was enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> it was thoroughly enjoying, although sometimes the uniforms did get a little blurred at, at, toward the end. <laughs> what, all of those blue and white or red and black jerseys kind of, I don't know, mushed together? Just a little bit. Edmonton's playing who? <laughs> why am I watching? Ter- why am I watching Tampa twice? <laughs> oh God, I did that actually because I, I I couldn't figure out why Tampa was playing both uh, <laughs> whoever the heck they were playing and Columbus. It was bad. I sat there going, Tampa Bay playing Columbus. Did I miss something? And for like ten minutes, I sat there staring at the screen, going, "Oh." And then finally it's like, oh, wait, it's Toronto. Okay. Time to go to sleep. <laughs> yep. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening as always. Uh, at Puck Sage for me. At the off wing. Have a great week. Um, take care.